0: Evening, everybody? Okay, so if we've not met, I'm Paul. Becky and I lead the church together, lead the team. And um, we know that at the start of a new term, often we get lots of new people who kind of, um, you know, it's a new season, so they think about maybe a different place to be part of. So we'd love to get to know you. If you're new here tonight, then um, have a word with either of us or with Tom. You know, we're kind of like fairly easy because you've seen us at the front. Have a word with us afterwards. We'd love to help you kind of find your way into the life of the church. Uh, And we're actually going to be thinking for the next few weeks about this theme of being sent, because the Bible says that um, each of us is sent by Jesus. And um, we're we're aware at the moment that we're seeing loads of people come to faith, Um, we've been baptising loads of people who Jesus has changed their lives, we're going to be doing more baptisms in uh, I think four weeks' time, so if if you've not yet um, been baptised, you've decided to follow Jesus, then The thing that he says that you should do is you should should be baptised. It's a way of saying that your old life has been washed away and you've got a new life. And then you you can just tell people that he's made a difference and changed you. And uh, we're going to be doing that in four weeks' time. But we believe increasingly that people are really open and interested. And so we're going to focus for a few weeks about what it is to be sent, for us who know, to be sent to those who don't yet know. Um, Also this week, we have the beginning of school. So if you're still at school, or if you're a teacher, that's probably kind of like, hmm, summer is over. So how many of you go back to school this week, teachers? Yeah, okay, a few. So I I think, um, I just was reflecting that that being sent is something that I remember when I was in school. Now, you'll have to be a little bit better than the morning service were, because um, in the morning service, I, I was saying that, you know, it's interesting that when we're in class, Often, the one thing we want to be as pupils, no matter how good the teacher is, is not in the class. And one of the greatest things that could ever happen is for the class to end early. But that really happens. So, normally, the best thing that can happen is if, you're, if you get out of class somehow early. Now, there are two ways of being sent out of class there's the bad way and the good way. So, I have experienced both. And this morning, they were not telling the truth so I just want to remind you that you actually are in the house of God and so when I ask you this question I don't want any lies because I did not believe what I had this morning so how many of you like me at some point were sent to the headmaster's office okay that's much more like it okay this morning it was like me and two people it's like no way and they were just very shy so in in my school they were very clear that that the bad thing was to be sent to the head teacher's office you didn't get sent to the head teacher because they wanted to say he was a really nice guy so if you see the head teacher around don't worry he's a really nice guy you know don't be afraid of him but if you ever get sent to his office that's a terrible place it's like a place of punishment it's like sort of hell or something like that and and if you went to his office that was like a really bad thing so you didn't want to get out of class and be sent to his office but there was another good way of being sent and the good way of being sent was that sometimes you would be sent not to a place but you'd be sent to someone and uh, usually what happens was um, one of the teachers decided they needed to get a message to another teacher and so they wrote a note and then they looked in the class for somebody that they would trust to carry the note. Does anybody ever get the chance to do that? Yeah, Yeah, okay, I got a couple of times, you know. And it was good because if you were picked, it kind of meant a few things. It it meant firstly that they trusted you, they thought you were responsible, meant that they thought you were advanced enough that you could miss half the class and it wouldn't be a problem. And then you would get to leave the class early with this note and it was brilliant because you got to walk through the, you know, the empty corridors of the school with nobody around which is quite a nice experience you could look into the classes and see everybody else sort of having you know their lessons and you think I'm not in there I'm out here and if anybody challenged you all you needed to do was bring the note out and it's like hey wh- what are you doing out here and you'd whip out the note and then back off immediately I <gasps> didn't realize you had a note you know you have a note it's like, and so you'd be able to take the notes to the teacher and then having dropped it off you would take the longest possible route all over the building until you'd get back now the thing is the note has to be from a teacher right because it doesn't work if you're just sitting next to you in the class you fancy getting out of it and you get your mate to write you a note that's not going to work okay it has got to be from somebody important And I'm just kind of laying it on thick because I want you to know that there there is a very positive meaning to the word being sent. It's like it's a privilege that you're sent. And and you're being sent because you know somebody who's amazing and he's given you something important. Now, when we start this series, some of you tonight might be looking at this going, I can't really see why this has any relevance to me because I'm not even sure about this whole Jesus person. So it doesn't make much sense for you to think, you know, the vicar's now talking about how this person who I'm not sure I believe in even existed. He's sending me, I don't know what that means. So let me just talk to you for a moment about that. So if you're here tonight and you're not somebody who's chosen to follow Jesus yet, then in my experience, most people who've not yet chosen to follow Jesus are a little bit unsure about what they are here for. Um, just a little sign of this the, in, um, in New York in the subway system in um, I think it's Times Square subway station there's um, an art installation it went up in 1981 and as you go through the subway every 10 yards there's a little phrase I might, you might know, put it up on the screen you might not be able to see that but as you're going through the subway it runs like this every 10 yards another phrase of this little poem it says overslept so tired if late, get fired. Why bother? Why the pain? Just go home, do it again. And it's called the commuter's lament. Because that's what most people going to work are feeling. It's like, what's the point of all this? You know, I'm really tired, I overslept, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be in trouble. And then if I go home and sleep it off, I'm just going to do the same thing all over tomorrow. And what happened was, it went up in 1991, a couple of years ago, they tried to take it down, and there was such a public outcry. Because everybody said, no, 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 that's exactly what it feels like going to work. So that's why I want that to stay up there. Now I just say that because a lot of people, if they're not sure why they're here, they try and find a meaning for their life. And, and most of us, the meaning for our lives is we say, well, I'm basically going to live for my comfort or the comfort of the people that I love. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to try and build a future for myself and for my family. And that that's, makes total sense. It, it's commendable I suppose the Bible says it's a good thing but the Bible also says it's not enough and so a lot of people as they as they live like that they find themselves frustrated In that Jesus said that you know if you love those who love you I mean, what good is that everybody does that everybody loves those who love them and Jesus said that you know if you live for your life ultimately you'll lose your life but if you really give yourself for him and for his kingdom, if you invest yourself into what he's about, so rather than trying to build your own little kingdom, if you understand that he's doing something amazing and you become part of that, then instead of your life becoming ever smaller and more frustrating and unfulfilling, what happens is your life opens up and it begins to find meaning and significance and purpose. So this idea that There is somebody who's worth knowing, and that he's sending you with a message that's worth hearing. It's really important. Because a lot of people think that the Christian message is how we can get from here to up there. And it's not. Christian message is how up there has come down here and how it's making a difference to every day. And that's a great message to carry. So if you're in that I'm not quite sure where I stand stage, I just want to tell you there's a great message that you, you could hear. Now, if you're somebody who has already made that decision, you are a Christian, you've decided to become a follower of Jesus, then I think I still may need to redeem this word sent for you because a lot of you would look at the idea that we're sent and you'll immediately hear it as a burden. Oh no, it's like something else I've got to do. You know, it's really hard being a Christian and now I've got this thing I've got to do. I've got a job from Jesus. I've got to go and tell other people about him. And, And as well as it being a burden, a lot of people think it's a slightly scary thing as well. I'm a little bit afraid of it. And most of us, whenever we start talking about anything like this, we, we, we react badly against it. But I just want to suggest tonight, most of us are actually reacting against the caricature. We're not, we're not actually listening to what Jesus is actually asking us to do. So let me try and redeem the word sent for you again. Okay? sent is an amazing thing because it means that you know somebody who is worth obeying it means that he trusts you with a message that is amazing and is worth hearing and it means that your life has a purpose and a significance which is far bigger than anything you could have imagined before and he has blessed you And he's making you a blessing to other people. And you get the privilege of being able to introduce to other people to the most amazing news they could ever hear. That's what it means to be sent. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at that. And we're going to look at it in the light of how this is a doable thing, not a difficult thing. And how it's much more about your lifestyle, how, how you and I live, than it is about... Any techniques you might need to learn, or any kind of like message you might need to memorize, or answers you might need to have. So, this, this idea of being sent is something that the Spirit of God is trying to introduce back into the church. I just want to take a little digression for a moment before we come to the main passage tonight. But if you've got your Bibles, flip open Ephesians chapter 4, it's um, page 1175. And just really quickly, Ephesians is is a very simple book um, and it's broken in two parts. The first three chapters, he tells us what God has done and then the next three chapters, he tells us what we therefore ought to do. So at the beginning of Ephesians chapter four, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And he says, this is what it is to live a life that's worthy of the message God has given us. First thing he talks about for the first few verses is unity. You gotta be one you know, he's made us one, he's united us back to God, he's united us up to each other, so we've got to be one. I think most people would probably believe that that's a continuing thing, right? We're still meant to be one, we're not meant to be divided or against each other, we're meant to be one. Towards the end of that passage, um, from about verse 12 onwards, you'll see a lot of stuff in those verses about maturity, about how we're meant to grow up, we're meant to build each other up, we're meant to become mature, we're meant to know the truth, we're meant to be what we're meant to be and again I think most people would say that's clearly meant to be for forever as well It wasn't just for the first church you know he doesn't want us to be shallow he wants us to be deep and mature Christians we're all meant to grow up right so the question is how do you get from this unity that we have to the maturity he calls us to at the end of the passage and basically as you get this is not rocket science you get from the start of the passage to the end of the passage by going through the middle of the passage And in the middle of the passage, it says that Jesus has given each of us grace. So in verse 7, it says each one of us has been given grace just as Jesus chose to do it. And skim down to verse 11, it says, So Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And this is how the body of Christ gets built up. Now, let me just show you a slide because this is the history of the church in the West in one simple slide. So there was a time where all of those five gifts were being expressed in the life of the church. And because those gifts are gifts that grow the church and gifts that stabilize and deepen the church, the church grew because they were all being used. And then there came a time when they decided everybody is Christian. And so we don't need to convert anybody anymore. We don't need to go anywhere anywhere else anymore. All we need to do is look after the ones that we've got and so we got to this big tipping point and we said after that we don't need the apostles we don't need the prophets we don't need the evangelists because everybody's a Christian it's a Christian country all we need is we need to look after them we need to love them and teach them shepherds and teachers in fact um, a lot of translations will have the word pastor for one of those gifts what do you normally call a vicar in most denominations? pastor it's almost as if out of those five gifts we've basically confirmed attracted them all down to two and said the only thing you expect of a church leader is that he will try and love you or she will try and love you and that they will teach you so all they need to do is just look after the flock and it, it, it's kind of like it's almost as if often congregations think all we want the leaders of the church to do is look after us because that's their job they're meant to love us and teach us that's all they're meant to do And so what's happened is the other three gifts that Jesus gave to the church, the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, they were airbrushed out. And the problem is when you've got the people in the church, all the leadership of the church, all the ministry in the church, if it's done by people who are there to stabilise the church, the church gets stable, and after a while, stable means it's not moving. And the world keeps moving, and so what happens is the church starts shrinking. And that's the history of the church over 2,000 years. Except that the Spirit of God has been on the move. So I reckon from around about the 18th, 19th century, the Spirit of God started reintroducing the ministry of evangelism, through people like Wesley and Whitfield and you know all these great revivalists. I reckon from the early 20th century, the Spirit of God started reintroducing the spirit of prophecy through the Pentecostals and you know in the, coming into the mainstream churches in the last few decades as well. And I believe that in the last few decades the spirit of God has started reintroducing this apostolic understanding back into the church as well. And the apostolic literally is that Greek word that means to be sent. So God is basically saying to his church, don't forget, because you seem to have forgotten, don't forget you are a sent people. What it is to be a Christian is to be sent. In fact, Jesus said in John 20 verse 21 this is his mandate to all the disciples just as the father has sent me so I am sending you so we are a sent people so in a sense we're all apostolic because apostello means to send we are we're apostles all of us we're apostolic some of us more than others, but as a church, we are sent to the world. We, our purpose as a church is not to gather in here once a week. It's to then scatter back out, to take a message out. That's why we're still here. We're on the earth. We could worship God perfectly in heaven, right? Yeah, we're gonna, It's going to be easier to love each other in heaven, right? Okay. Why are we still here? Because there's a bunch of people that don't know yet. The purpose of us still being here is that we're sent to them. So we're going to be looking tonight at how Jesus sends. So now it's a turn to flip over to page 1041. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. And this is called the, the sending of the 72 or the 70. And the point is, this is not the sending of the 12. So this is not just for the first people that we called apostles. This implies that this is for all the disciples because Jesus gives the job to a much bigger group. So let me read that for you, page 1041. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. He sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a moment. So, basically, he's saying at the beginning of this story, he's saying two things. Firstly, Jesus is starting with a bit of encouragement. Okay, the harvest is plentiful. I often think when we think about the idea, you know, Tom said a moment ago, think about who you could go and tell. Most of us would go, I know loads of people, none of them are interested. I know that, none of them are interested. I know that if I start to talk about my faith, I will get opposition, I will get attacked. Nobody will be interested. Jesus says it's not like that. It really isn't. There is a harvest out there. Loads of people are interested. Not everybody and not all the time, but there is a harvest and it's a plentiful harvest. If we could just learn to do it the right way, loads of people are really interested because what Jesus has done for us is actually what everybody is looking for and longing for. And so he starts with encouragement. Don't think this is going to be like the hardest thing, most impossible thing. But having given us encouragement, he then tells us that actually we're it. So a little bit later in the passage, he says, go, I'm sending you. First thing he says is, you might as well pray. Pray that God would send some people, by the way, you're it. Go, I am sending you. And this is where it starts to get a little harder, because what he says to us is, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I I think the disciples weren't stupid. I think they probably thought, I know how that's going to go. It's a little bit challenging, isn't it? Now, I don't think the disciples immediately sort of sat down and spiritualized it and thought, I think he probably means, you know, I think he probably means that, you know, that we're going to go out with like gentleness and, and, you know, everybody else out there is like really nasty, but we're going to be really gentle. I think the disciples probably took that at face value he's sending us out like lambs among wolves uh oh but then to reinforce it Jesus then says by the way when you go don't take any stuff with you don't make any normal natural preparations it's pretty good advice for a short term mission trip it's a terrible advice for the way to live but he says you know just just don't take anything the point of this is that the disciples know when he sends them what he's actually saying to them is you're just going to have to trust me trust me that I know what I'm doing it doesn't make sense to you when you look at it, but trust me, rely upon me, and don't make it complicated. Just focus on doing what I've asked you to do. Because if Jesus had given them a little pep talk at this point and said, you are an unstoppable army, and all of you are more than conquerors, and then they'd go out and they'd go, yeah! You know, and they'd go out and they'd try and do it in their strength. But he didn't. He basically said, you lot, you feel completely unqualified. You feel you're not ready. You've been with me for three years. You still don't feel you're trained. You think that when you're going to go out there, you're going to be torn to shreds. Well, tell you what, give it a go. Off you go. Like lambs amongst wolves. And see if I will not protect you. See if I will not provide for you. See if I will not use you, even though you don't feel you're ready. The whole point of this is basically to say it's all about the one who's sending rather than you. All you've simply got to do is not think, I think I'm strong enough. You've just got to go, all right, I'll go and give it a go. So that's what happens. So Jesus then gives them this great little pep talk. And I I love this because it's completely different from what most of us think he's going to say. Most of us think when we think about sharing our faith or telling other people or evangelism or mission or anything like that, most of us think of it immediately in terms that make us reject it and say, I don't want to be involved in that. You know, evangelism is the sort of thing you wouldn't do to a dog. You know, you know I wouldn't evangelize my friends. That would be a terrible thing to do to them. It's like, yeah, okay, I think we've probably got it wrong. So let's just actually listen to what Jesus says rather than reject it immediately. So verse 5 and 6. Jesus says, when you enter a house, the first thing you should say is peace to this house. If somebody who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Really simple. Jesus says, as you go, first thing I want you to do is to be a blessing. Bless. If you're going to carry good news, you better be good news. You know, it ought to be really good news for our community that has a church in the middle of it. It ought to be really good news for your street that there are Christians living on it. It should be great news for your neighbours that you're their neighbours. And he's just saying, just go and be nice. I mean, let's just start there. Can we agree on that? That might be a good thing. Let's just go and be nice. Let's go and be a blessing to people. Because we've been blessed by God, right? God's been good to us. Let's just go and be good to others. That might be the first way that we can show them that something amazing has happened to us. We could just go and be a blessing to other people. So that's a good start anybody up for that it's not that difficult is it that's what Jesus says before anything else just go and be nice be lovely people okay be awesome second thing verses seven and eight connect with them says when you find a place where you are welcomed and you know let's be realistic not everybody's going to welcome you you're going to go and be nice not everybody is nice but you're going to be nice but when you find a nice person who receives you stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you because the worker deserves his wages you're worth it don't move around from house to house whenever you enter a town and you're welcome there eat what is offered to you now I don't think this is basically Jesus saying by the way you know I told you not to take any money and not to take any food this is how you're going to get your provisions that is true But I think, again, the main point he's saying is, I want you to enter into their world. I genuinely want you to connect and have a real relationship with them. And the point of this is that if he hadn't have said that, a lot of us would go, right, okay, so I've got something. My job is to go to people who haven't got anything and I'm going to tell them. And we immediately start thinking of this as if, you know, I'm the big person with all the answers and all the, I've got it all together and they're like poor person that needs stuff and I'm going to give it to them. And, and then what happens is we, we get really arrogant and we don't come across well. So again, Jesus says, and we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is you're going to have to humble yourself and you're actually going to have to be a bit needy uh, and you're going to have to let them serve you because they've got stuff to give as well. They're, they're also made in God's image. You're nothing special. So you're going to go and you're going to have a real relationship because actually you can't have a real relationship if you're the person who's always giving stuff out as if you're you know, you know, the Lord, the high person. So you, you want to like give and take. So you go and you eat whatever they offer you. In other words, you receive what they want to eat. So again, often we, when we start talk about these things, a lot of us think of it in terms of, why don't you out there come and do what I like to do? It's all on my terms. This is the way I like it. You come and do what I like to do. But the point of actually eating what they offer you is you eat what they like. And that's a real equal relationship, isn't it? Now, just think about what that's like if, you, if you're forming a friendship with somebody who comes from a very different cultural group. Have you ever been to somebody's house where what they eat is very different from what you eat? If you go, I'm not eating that, you know, I'm sorry, I don't like that, you know, I'm English, fish and chips, please, you've got fish and chips. You know. you know, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's not honoring. You're not, you, you know, the point of having a real relationship with people and entering their world is you eat what they eat. And you, you try and kind of like build your worlds together. So Jesus says, connect with them. Now, you do actually have something that they don't have. And that is, you have faith. So the third thing he tells them to do is he tells them to pray. Actually, Literally, he says to heal. So heal the sick who are there. Heal the sick who are there. Because you've got something they don't have. So you know the God who makes a difference you've got faith that you can pray that the kingdom of God will come and that people's needs would start to be met the reason why Jesus said there's such a great harvest out there is because when people are desperate then they're open to an answer they haven't considered before and you will find that most people are desperate they're desperate for something with love meaning significance provision healing You know, everybody's looking for something and all of those somethings are found in Jesus and his kingdom. And you and I live in that kingdom and when we go out, he goes with us and his kingdom is where we are. So we get to pray and we can pray confidently that God will come and he loves to kind of like make himself known to people who don't know him yet. So it's pretty good so far, isn't it? So basically, just just go and be nice, make real relationships with people, and then just bring them what they haven't got, which is you've got faith, so offer to pray for them. You know, could I, could I pray that God would come meet that need and we'll see what happens? It's pretty good, isn't it? The last one, and I love the fact that this is fourth, not first, the last one is, Jesus says, and tell them, tell them the kingdom of God's come near to them. Just tell them. At some point, you need to sort of say to them, by the way, this is not, a faith that I've got that you can't have, that actually, you know, it's not that I'm anything special, it's just I've discovered something and and you're invited as well. You're totally able to have this. You know, don't think of, you know, oh, it must be lovely for you having a faith. I could never, you know. No, no, no. You're not disqualified. You're welcome. You're invited. You're wanted. Jesus can be your friend as much as he's mine and you may even get the opportunity to give an invitation to help make the connection for people. And that's all that happens in this passage. Jesus says, just go and be nice, make real relationships, introduce me into the conversation, pray that their needs to be met. And as they are, people go, oh yeah, you never know. Like, you know, you prayed about that, it changed. And you can say, yeah, I, well, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. You know, the Christian message is not about how we can go to heaven when we die, it's how heaven has invaded the earth right now. You can be part of it, you can experience it, it can be a daily reality for you now I don't know if you were in that crowd that first 70 or 72 or whatever it was I don't know how you'd have been feeling when Jesus gave you that pep talk because basically we are in that crowd and he's still giving that pep talk if you were to skim down a little bit further to verse 17 I don't know whether they went you in fear and trembling but it says that they returned with joy And they basically came back to Jesus and said, Lord, it works. It's it's amazing, it works. It actually works. You know, people did receive us and we did make relationships and we prayed and stuff happened and even the demons couldn't stand in front of us. And that's basically what we're talking about for the next few weeks. How we can live lives that are open. Not lives that are folded in on ourselves where we found something good and we're going to make sure we keep it to ourselves so that nobody finds out but how we can live lives where what God has done for us might actually touch others as well. Because I think most of you here tonight, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you believe it's probably just not a lifestyle choice for you, but you probably already believe that it is actually not just a truth, but the truth. And I just want to say, if it works for us, it's going to work for them as well, because it's true. So we're going to pray um, tonight for each other as we come towards the end of the service. So I'm going to ask the band to come back because we probably have some worship as we pray with each other. Would you all like to stand though? And if you're new to this, what we do every week is whenever we, we hear what God has taught us through his word or what he promises through his word, we actually want to receive that and respond to that. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to ask for the presence of God to be more obvious amongst us. And then we just invite each other to receive prayer. And often what happens in our church is a lot of people come to, to be prayed for, and we have this ministry team you heard about early, earlier, and um, they, just, they just pray. They add their faith to your faith that God would give you what it is you think that you need. So let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here now. Thank you for your presence amongst us tonight. Thank you for all that we've been able to be reminded of tonight about your love for us, your power at work in us. Thank you for the meaning and the purpose that we've found in following you. And I want to pray, Lord, that you would turn our lives outward. I pray that we we wouldn't be inward looking, we wouldn't be obsessed with me and mine. But we'd, we'd be aware, Lord, that we have what others need. And very simply tonight, I think... What God wants to do is he, he wants to take away all the fear that sometimes goes with this idea of being sent. And he, he wants us as we're going back, perhaps some of us going back to work this week, going into places, maybe to school or college. And he wants us to know that he's going to go with us and that we're not there to, you know by accident, but we're there because he wants to use us in those places. He wants us to carry the message of his goodness and his love. And so, Father, we just want to pray tonight. You'd take away all fear. You'd equip us with all that we need. You'd give us opportunities to love and to connect. You'd help us to introduce you into the conversation. And you'd give us opportunity to share. And so, as we worship, I just want to invite you if. Uh, if you're going into that sort of situation and you want, to, you want to go as somebody who knows that they're sent, who carries something, just want to invite you tonight to respond for prayer. Because we want to pray that you'd have the same experience, that you'd be able to come back like the disciples and go. It works. It actually, you'd be full of joy because you know the blessing that God has put into you.